Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you give us um, new mercies, not just at the beginning of each new year, um, but that you give them to us every morning. Um, we pray this morning, God, that you would take um, this group, this room together on a journey um, to find you, to get close to you, um, that you would lead us um, through all the steps um, of these strange but brave wise men um, until we find you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, and just a reminder that we um, will return to having our regular child care next week um, in Children's Church. So this week, um, the kids are with us. Um, but stay tuned. I'm going to get you guys ready for school this week because there's lots of questions. Um, but Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, perhaps the Christmas glow has worn off a little bit for some of you. Um, gifts have been unwrapped. Normal life rhythms are returning. You're trying to decide if you feel motivated to put away Christmas decorations. And the honest answer for most of us is never. You, you will never want to. Um, but remember, we get 12 days of Christmas, and then comes Epiphany, which is what we're celebrating today. On Epiphany, we remember the journey that the wise men took to find Jesus. And so, I think if you were to ask the wise men, the glow of Christmas is actually just beginning, rather than ending. Epiphany celebrates the wise men's journey and their discovery of the new king, Jesus. So first question, kids. Does anyone know another name that we use for the wise men? What's another word we might call them? Yeah, Theo. <laughs> The Magi. Can anyone think of one other word that we use sometimes? The three kings. Yes, they weren't really kings, but those are other words that we sometimes hear. And so now here's a trickier question, maybe for the older kids. Can anyone give me a definition of the word epiphany or use it in a sentence? This is like real school. Yes. An idea? Benjamin, what were you going to say? Something like that. Miriam, last chance. Yeah, so an epiphany, this is what the dictionary says, an epiphany is a moment in which you suddenly see or understand something in a new or very clear way. So kind of like a blurry picture that becomes clear when you focus the camera just the right way. So on epiphany, we remember the wise men who came to see and understand the new king that they had been searching for. Now these wise men were experts at reading patterns in the stars. They were known for looking up at the stars and telling people what they saw and what it meant. And so it was the stars that told them that a new king was born. But they didn't have all the details. They knew something important, something big was happening, but they weren't quite sure where, or how, or who, or why. Kind of like if you got a birthday invitation in the mail, but it didn't exactly tell you who or where to celebrate. So if you think about it, they actually didn't know very much at all. Um, but they knew just enough to knew that they had to find out more. It was like they knew there was a Christmas gift waiting for them, but they hadn't unwrapped it yet. The relationship of Epiphany to Christmas is like this. Christmas is when you get the gift. On Christmas, we receive, right? So kids, I want you to show me what do you do when someone hands you a present, when someone gives you a present? What do you do with your hands? You can show me. Yeah, like this, right? Or maybe someone tells you to close your eyes and so they can surprise you. But either way, on Christmas, our hands and our hearts do something like this. But now, someone tell me what you do after someone's given you a present. What do you do next? Yeah, Esther's got it figured out back there. She's like tearing paper off. 
<laughs> yeah, Nora. Yeah, you can say thank you, right? You unwrap it, maybe you give it a little shake first to figure out if you can guess what's in there. Legos are always easy to figure out. So epiphany is when you get to take your gift out of the box, discover what it is, and enjoy it. If on Christmas our hands are like this, then on epiphany our hands and our feet and our hearts look a little different. Maybe more like, ah, or, now, raise your hand if when you get a present, you like to tear the paper off quickly. Yeah, that's right. That's, let's be honest. Um, who likes to peel the paper off slowly? Yeah, the boring grown-ups. That's what they like to do. <laughs> now, as I expected, most of you like to rip the paper off and get to the present quickly. But that is not how the wise men in our reading this morning discovered the Christmas gift of Jesus. Their journey to find and worship the new king was slow. And in fact, their journey took so long that Jesus wasn't really even a newborn baby anymore by the time they found him. He was more like a toddler with dirty hands from playing and probably learning how to walk and bumping into things and falling and standing back up again. Even Jesus had to learn how to walk. And as these wise men journeyed on and on, they got closer and closer to unwrapping their ultimate gift. And as they got closer to finally seeing and holding or beholding, this gift, their hearts were learning and growing. Their hearts and minds were going on a journey, just as much as their bodies were. They were learning to worship the true king. And so by the time they found him, Jesus, who is God's gift for the world, they knew that the right response was to give the gift a gift. But that is the very end of our story today. And before we get there, we need to also learn to grow our hearts on this same journey that the wise men took. But don't worry, we're not going to take two years, um, maybe more like 10 minutes. So take out your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 2 for me. And kids, you should have a sheet in your pew that gives you a little bit of a guide, a roadmap to where we're going today. You can ask a grown-up if you can't find yours. So the very first verse of chapter 2 tells us three important parts of the wise men's journey. Verse 1 says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. So the three stops on our journey with the wise men this morning are what? Who can name them? What are our three places? Kids, you can look at your cheat sheet if you want. They started where? In the church? East. All right. And then they went to? And they landed in? Excellent. A plus. All right. So and in each of these places, what we're going to ask is, what did the wise men learn? So the wise men started their journey in the East. But if you were to have asked them, they probably wouldn't have told you that their home in the East was the beginning of some great journey. They would have just told you it was their home. And so right away we learned that the place that we're used to calling home the place that's familiar and comfortable and full of people who speak our language and make us feel safe is sometimes also the place that gets us ready for a new adventure. Remember how we said the word advent reminds us of the word adventure? The wise men spent a lot of time in advent, waiting and searching and getting ready so that they could go on an adventure. And what these, but what had these wise men really been doing for all this time in their home in the East? Well, they spent a lot of time learning about the stars and looking for patterns to tell other people what was going on in the world. Looking and learning and learning and looking and looking and learning. 
They were not really looking for Jesus, but they were looking for something, really for anything that seemed important. They were not a part of the Jewish people who were told to wait and look for a new king or a Messiah to come. In fact, they spoke an entirely different language, they dressed differently, they looked different than most of God's people that we've met in other parts of the Bible. But God wanted them to be main characters in his story, and so he made sure they were ready. So, next question. Tell me, why do we look for things? Why do we look for things? Yes, Danny. Because what? So we can get them back, right? So if we've lost something, we have to look for it to get it back. And how do we look for things? What do we, what do we use to look for things? Our eyes, right? So when we look for things, it's because there's something we're missing or something we need, and we look for them with our eyes. But when you're looking for something, do you just sit back in a chair and look around the room? No, you have to get up and search, right? If you can't find your car keys or your favorite toy, you can't just sit back on the couch and look around. You need your hands and feet to crawl around the floor and look in the cracks and under the couch cushions, maybe in the dishwasher. Looking is active. So raise your hand, kids, if you have ever, if a grown-up has ever said to you, look with your eyes, but not with your hands. Have you guys ever heard that? I've heard that, I've said that. Um, <laughs> it's something grown-ups like to say if maybe you're walking through a store with expensive things or around grandma's collection of fancy plates and teacups. So it's one thing to look at something with just your eyes, that's what we call seeing, but it is impossible to look for something with only your eyes. When the wise men saw the star, they realized that they had found something they couldn't just look at. They needed to look for it. They learned to look not only with their eyes, but also with their feet. Their lives in the East had taught these wise men to be expert lookers and thinkers and learners, but now when this new star appeared, they learned that life is about more than looking at the stars and the stories that are in them but about looking for the one star that would include them in the greatest story the world had ever known. Life was about more than always searching, it was about finding. And that required them to look not only with their eyes, but to get up and move their whole bodies and to cross desert after desert after desert to look for something that was worth finding. So I wonder, in this new year, what is worth looking for? Is it peace, or joy, or justice, or wisdom, or ultimately Jesus himself? How will this year be a year where you look with your feet and find what you're searching for? How will you adventure closer to Jesus, not only with your mind, but also with your hands and feet? So once the wise men had started on their adventure, they first make their way to where? Jerusalem, there we go. And in Jerusalem, they learn a new lesson. They learn how to be wrong and how to turn around. Now, when I was in fourth grade, I remember being asked to read out loud in my class, and my reading had the word stomach in it. Now, I had read this word in my head many times, but it, when, when it came time to say it out loud, I said the word stomach, because it had a CH at the end of it, right? The class giggled, and the teacher had to correct me and say it the right way. The CH sounds like a K in the word stomach, it turns out. I felt pretty silly, like I should have known how to say it. But the only way to move on was to learn to say it the right way and to keep going. And I think that that is a little bit of how the wise men felt too. 
When the wise men traveled from the east, they took for granted that this new king would be born in Jerusalem. It's kind of how we expect our president to be found in the White House. Jerusalem was the royal city, and it made total sense for them to look for the new king there. They went to Herod's palace, and there they found scribes who knew the ancient prophecy and redirected them to Bethlehem. But to turn around from Herod's palace and to head to Bethlehem, the wise men had to unlearn a number of expectations that they had about this new king. The new king was not going to be born in a fancy palace and have great earthly power. He wasn't going to have a crowd of admirers all around him. He wasn't going to be best friends with Herod and keep things the way they were. But he also wasn't going to change everything overnight. The wise men weren't just wrong about where the star was leading them. They were wrong about pretty much everything the star represented. But what did they do next? They didn't give up or get grumpy or defensive about being wrong. No, they asked for directions. The only three men who have asked for directions. In verse 2, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? Now, I bet they were expecting someone to say, oh, he's over here around this corner getting his royal bottle. But instead, they get a secret meeting with Herod, who tells them what the scribe said and sends them off to Bethlehem. Now, I bet they didn't feel very wise when they were told to turn around and go look for the new king in the tiny village down the road. But finding this new king was more important than their pride or their reputation of being wise all of a sudden. They accepted the new information, they turned around, and they continued on their journey. In Jerusalem, the wise men learned to turn around. I wonder, in this new year, what might be something you need to unlearn? Something you thought you understood about who Jesus is and why he's here and how to find him in the midst of your busy daily life. What does it look like for you this year to turn around and find the true king? Now, after their pit stop in Jerusalem, the wise men were finally on the correct course to the little town of Bethlehem, just six miles away. And it was in Bethlehem that the wise men learned to worship. The great King David had come from Bethlehem, but it had been more than a thousand years since anything else big or exciting had come from there, and I bet the wise men felt pretty out of place. They looked different and talked different, and were relying on the directions of some scribes they just met and a star in the sky. And they were used to being right and to being the ones who had all the wisdom and the power. And I'm sure they were feeling a little less confident about this whole adventure than when they had first started out. They weren't lost, but they also were no longer in charge of deciding how to get to their destination, where exactly it was, and what they would find when they got there. Now, it is a terrible feeling to not know where you're going. And so in verse 10, it makes total sense that they say, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I, too, have new and great joy when my GPS starts working again, and I'm in the middle of nowhere and think that I'm lost. Great joy. And finally, but finally, the star's path was clear, and the wise men entered this little house to see the little Jesus. After all of their traveling and all of their learning, and unlearning and relearning and unlearning and relearning, they did the only thing they could do. They fell down and worshiped Jesus and gave him the treasures that they had been carrying with them all that long way. This was their epiphany. What had once been blurry and unclear 
was suddenly right in front of them. This was their moment of opening up their Christmas gift and of tearing off the paper. They finally got to see what was inside. So kids, I want to hear some examples, or maybe adults too. What kind of noises or faces do you make when you finally got to open a Christmas present and find out what's inside? What, is, what do you sound like? You can just shout them out. Yay! Yay! What else? Yeah, I hear some panting over there. <laughs> so big faces of surprise, right? Arms out, face wide open. These are the noises of great joy. This is the noise of epiphany. Their long adventure had been getting them ready for this moment, teaching them how to worship. They gave him their treasures, and yes, those treasures were fancy and important, and they showed that these men understood that this little child was royalty. But even more important, they gave Jesus their very selves. They entered that little house where Jesus lay as changed men. Their adventure had changed them. They learned to look with their feet and not only their eyes. They learned to turn around and admit when they didn't have enough wisdom to find Jesus on their own, and they needed to be led. They learned to trust God's word as spoken through the prophets rather than their own ideas. They learned to put down their idols of personal wisdom and self-reliance and to follow the directions God gave them. They gave up their identity as rich and wise men. They had been searching the skies all their lives looking for truth. They'd become rich doing so as they looked for purpose and meaning and wonder and salvation from the skies. But now the true God had led them to a little town and showed them that all they thought they could find in the stars was contained there in a little child. Jesus became the new purpose of their lives, and they were ready to show it by laying down their very selves before him. And that is what it means to worship. In Bethlehem, the wise men learned to worship. Now, if the wise men had been playing the hokey pokey, <laughs> you didn't expect that one. <laughs> Do you remember, kids have to help me out a little bit. We all remember the hokey pokey. They started off their adventure with their head in. And then they learned to put their hands and their feet in. I can't hold my feet up, but maybe someone else can. And then when they felt such joy at finding Jesus, they put their heart in. But at the end of it all, what do we put in at the end of the hokey pokey? What comes last? You put your whole self in. <laughs> That's right. You put your whole self in. And that is what worship is. It is putting your whole self into God's story. Worship means you let God write the directions for your adventures. Worship means you follow the humble but powerful Jesus and not the cruel and arrogant Herods of our world. Worship means your life of searching and looking gets to end because you found the only thing worth finding. And so I wonder in this new year, what will the adventure of learning to worship look like for you? Are you still in the East? Are you looking and searching but not sure exactly for what. Decide this year to look for Jesus. He may not give you a bright star in the heavens, but he can certainly give you people, maybe even the people in this room, to guide you. He gives you his word and his spirit and promises that all who truly seek will find him. Commit this year to look with your feet. Come to church. Spend time with friends who want to talk about your hard questions. Place yourself around people and places that will help you learn to worship. 
Or maybe you feel stuck in Jerusalem instead. Are you searching for Jesus in places of power and privilege and comfort and money and self-reliance? And if so, then worship for you looks like turning around, leaving the palace and heading for the simple humility of Bethlehem. Do you have daily habits that protect your time and your job and your reputation, but ignore God's commands for Sabbath and love of neighbor? Then remember the commands and the prophecies God has given his people and turn around. That is your worship this year. Or maybe you have made it to Bethlehem. Will you remember that you too came from the east and that it is only, only by the grace of God's guiding star of his desire for you to find and meet his son that has brought you this far? Would you start this new year doing a holy hokey pokey? <laughs> Jumping in and giving God your whole self. Because worship in Bethlehem looks like leaving your worldly wisdom and status and privilege and pride at the door of a little house in a little town to kneel before a little but very mighty king. Amen.